0: Colossians chapter 3, I trust you're doing well this morning. I had some other thoughts, but I did not have peace about it, so we're going to pick up where we left off a couple weeks ago. And I just want to remind you all to pray for the Grayson Young family. Pray for our church. That young man had a huge impact. And uh, I know many of the folks of our church, but, but our boys specifically, they talked to him. And, and I told Cindy yesterday, I am thankful that they had an example of a young man <clears throat> that served God with his life. I told him he was a great example of a young man that can go to a secular school. Invite his friends to church um, and be a witness for Christ. Um, and I believe that's what our nation needs, is is young men and women to serve God wherever God's placed them. Uh, it would be unrealistic to think that every one of our young people are going to go into the ministry. And so I was thankful for my boys to see him living for Christ. Uh, as his life played out, and and uh, but, do pray for his family. <clears throat> I was um, Facebook friends with Grayson, and a lot of his family has been tagging him in that. And so, you see, and his family's grieving, and uh, so pray that God uses this in a mighty way to draw men to Himself. Uh, and so, <clears throat> Colossians chapter three, uh, verse twenty one is where we. Kind of left off uh, a couple weeks ago. I didn't quite finish that thought there. And so I think we'll go through that quickly um, and just give you a couple thoughts there uh, before we move into uh, the latter part of chapter three and then the verse, uh, verse one of chapter four. Uh, but if you would, let's read uh, verse 21 down through chapter four, verse one. And the word of God says this Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singles of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for, Lord, this place that we can come together as a family. And Lord, gather around your word and be comforted in uh, challenging times. And Father, I especially pray for Grayson's family today. Lord, I pray that you would give them great grace. And Lord, that you would comfort their hearts. And I pray, Lord, that they would find comfort knowing that he's with Christ. And Father, I pray that you'd use his life. Lord, I know there's men that he, and friends that he was acquainted with that don't know Christ. And I pray that you would use this to help them to consider their end. Lord, that they would turn to Christ and be saved. And Father, we just ask that you would be glorified in all of it. Lord, we don't understand it all, but we're trusting you. And now this morning, we ask you to bless our service, that you would just be with us during the Sunday school hour. I pray that you'd give us something, Lord, that we'd be a blessing. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. So a couple of weeks ago, we left off, and we talked about the, the wife's role and the, and the husband's role, and, and we talked about children being obedient to their parents and uh, those kind of things. And we got down to verse 21, and I didn't really have a lot of time there. And so I didn't finish out all of my notes, and uh, good thing for you guys, I did not destroy my notes, you know. Actually, I did destroy that copy, but I reprinted it because it was saved on my fancy computer thing that we have these days. Um, <clears throat> but God had a design for fathers. And uh, the idea of children being obedient is in the context of this command in verse 21. That fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And we can discourage our kids. Uh, The idea here is they can be disheartened, they can be dismayed uh, because of how we treat them. I believe that this can broadly be applied to parents, uh, so mothers, but I think fathers are probably more Uh, at danger of doing this than the mothers. Moms are sweet and loving and kind most of the time. Um, But I know as a father that sometimes my uh, demanding attitude can be a discouragement to my boys. And we need to be careful. And uh, that does not mean that they're exempt from obeying. Uh, and oftentimes, and I've seen it in, in young people that I grew up with, uh, friends of mine, that as they've grown, uh, they resent their father because their father was harsh and he was mean and he was really unrealistic and honestly expecting more from his children than he was of himself. And, uh, <clears throat> but what a what a sobering thought that we could discourage our children. We are to train our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and and we are to be training our children to walk with God. Yet, if we're not careful, we could discourage them from doing just that. Um, uh, What a a careful thing that we need to do and uh, be mindful of this so that we... Uh, don't discourage our children. And um, I read one of the commentaries, and 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 I think it can apply broadly to to both parents. Uh, but he was really saying that this was just for for parents, and it, it, it biblically, and, and the way it was translated. And I looked at the word, and it was a masculine word. And I think it's for fathers. And so, dads, this morning, uh, how you doing? Are you training and nurturing? Or discouraging, and uh, your kids don't need a pal. That's not what I'm trying to say this morning. They don't need a good buddy. Um, they need somebody that is of an authority figure uh, who sets boundaries for protection and guidance. Uh, it's not just—I'm not saying you're you're being their friend. And and uh, now, listen. As my boys have grown older, I realize that they're my friends. And uh, I, can't, I look forward to the day when my friends come visit me, uh, and I'm not paying the food bill anymore. You know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> I'll tell you what, three boys can really throw it down the neck, I'm telling you what. And it seems like, goodness, you just had some, and they'll eat when they get home from school, and then they eat dinner, and then there's a snack, and it's good night. So, and then you look at calling and you think, where does it go? <laughs> what in the world? But um, <clears throat> I'm thankful that we can be friends with our children. But that is not the, the purpose that we were put here. We were put here to train them and prepare them for the service of the Lord. And uh, they need guidance and boundaries. And um, we have this God-given responsibility uh, to discipline their disobedience. Um, and and we can be lack, we can slack in that if we're not careful. Um, and uh, but we need to, to be mindful not to do that. And uh, discipline should be administered uh, fairly, firmly, and lovingly. Proverbs twenty nine seventeen says this: "Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest; yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul." And so, it's not a matter of just letting our kids go. Uh, but we ought to be correcting and guiding. Uh, But I believe there's a difference, and I'll use the term discipline versus punishment uh, today, and and I know there might be different terms and different things that people use, but uh, for the sake of this morning, I'm going to say discipline focuses on the behavior of the future, right? Future behavior. We're trying to guide them and, and, and get them to, to, to really change their behavior and really their heart, I guess you would say. Um, punishment focuses on past behavior. That's how I'll use it, right? We're, we're dealing with the frustration of what they've done, uh, so to speak. And, and so that's when I say punishment this morning, that's kind of the idea. And, and uh, discipline oftentimes should it, well, is, is done in love. And uh, typically punishment is it administered out of frustration and anger. Because we're upset with what they've done. And we've lost sight of what we're training them to be. Um, and so that's what I mean by discipline and punishment. And, and the idea is the discipline and, and to train them. Uh, I don't think that word train is in there on accident, right? Um, it, it does take training. It's not all about the rod. Uh, absolutely, that's part of it. And we have several verses here we're going to look at, and just as a reminder for those things, um, <clears throat> but that's not the main focus of it. Um, I don't. We used to have the spoon, the wooden spoons, and all those things that uh, that were pretty effective when they were a lot younger. And uh, not to say that those things don't work when they get older either, but um, <clears throat> but having those things uh, to use is those are. That's a God given tool that we have as parents, as fathers. Um, for our children, and, and, uh, but we need to be careful that we're not just punishing uh, and just taking out our frustration over the circumstances and we're losing sight of what we ought to be training them to become. And uh, Proverbs twenty three thirteen says this, Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Uh, sometimes my kids have sounded like they were going to die, but they're still here. And it's an amazing thing. I'm, I'm going to go through these verses. They're going to be very familiar to you. Proverbs 29, 17, we read that one. 29, 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. What a terrible thing. Just uh, we, like I said, there's, we need to take steps to uh, discipline our children and, and uh, left to himself bring shame. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Proverbs thirteen twenty four He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Ephesians six four, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from it. In our verse this morning, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. None of this is fun at the time. You know, I, don't, I can't remember a time where I just was looking forward to, to using the rod. Um, but I have enjoyed the fruits of that. Hebrews 12, 11 says this, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. I venture to say none of us liked our rear ends to be exercised growing up. I know I didn't. I remember the last whooping I ever got from my dad with his belt. Um, I was a teenager, and he had told me not to do something, and I just kept at it. And I think he knew that I was at the point where I didn't think I got whooped anymore. It was just he uh, it was like this kid needs to understand that dad can still do this. And that just because he's a little bit older now doesn't mean that he can do whatever he wants and he whooped me good. And I was crying like a baby and and just weeping and and just really letting her go and and he walked out. And it was that firm dad moment that I needed to say I knew I was doing wrong. Dad told me, and those are some consequences from it. But I'll never forget, whenever those things happen, and something's dealt with, the joy that's there, and that relationship, and and I don't know how God does this, but He binds the heart of the child with the dad or the mom in love. It's an amazing thing, and and listen, our world has all got it wrong. Uh, you know, they call it abuse and those things, but um, the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby, and, and it creates a right attitude and a right spirit in the child and those things. And, um, and again, I will say it's discipline. My dad had firmly warned me that what I was doing was not appropriate and that there would be consequences, and they he dealt with it. I don't, that day, I can't think of any anger displayed by my dad. It was just him providing correction for my wrong. And uh, <clears throat> I'm thankful for that example because I didn't always have a, a, a good home. Uh, my, my parents weren't in church and, and those things, but my dad had some principles that he lived by, and, and uh, I'm thankful for that. We need to be careful never to discipline in anger. Because oftentimes we're just trying to relieve our own frustration uh, rather than disciplining the child. And Proverbs 27, 4 says, wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous. There's no place for it in training a child up. Uh, and <clears throat> never doing it, or doing it out of anger should never be the case and um, we should always be careful to administer discipline when parents are cool, calm, and collected. That's hard to do. Um, To be reasonable out situations sometimes because we do get emotional, we do get frustrated, we do get upset. Um, But we need to uh, do our... And and sometimes I think I don't... uh, You know, the Lord's always been patient with me. The Lord's always been gracious and merciful and... And just enduring patiently when I'm being difficult. And uh, what a great example that is to us as parents. Uh, We don't want to just vent out our frustrations on our kids. And and, uh, what do people say? Fly off the handle. Uh, Lose it, so to speak. And and, and, uh, that's an indication to our children that we're not as spiritual as we say that we are. Our kids know that anyway. I'm thankful that they know Dad's a, uh, a failure at times and, and he's not perfect, and, but they still love me anyway. And they know their struggles too. But um, John, 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but for perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. We should hope that our children would never be afraid of us because of our presence, because of our attitude. Something that they've done is going to set us off, and they know, and now they're in fear because of how we're going to respond and how we're going to deal with that situation. That's what I'm talking about this morning. Uh, They ought to understand that when they do wrong, there will be correction. There will be the rod, potentially. There will be these things because they've done wrong. But they shouldn't fear us. And I can remember distinctly, I remember fearing my friend's dad, he feared him. His dad was a mean man, um, very mean. And I met him, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, it's been a few years ago now. I guess we were in Korea and we went home to see my mom in the hospital and and uh, he had come to the hospital and he said, let's get some lunch. And I was like, all right, you know, uh, you know, maybe I'll be a testimony to him. And this man had been saved, and now he's serving the Lord, and he was so gentle he was a different man and the conversation we were having would have never happened before him to know in Christ. I could not believe the difference in him, and his boys now uh have struggles in life because of the way that he was so harsh and mean, and they feared him, but I believe he's binding or he's repairing those and mending those relationships with relationships with them but but listen, don't provoke your kids to anger because of the way that you're conducting yourself. We can do that torment here in that in that 1 John 4:18 has the idea to inflict punishment when you look at the root of that word there and uh, love always disciplines to protect, guide, never to just dispense pain or punishment. We got to be loving our kids. There are things that we do that aren't joyous at the moment. They're grievous. But it's out of love that we do correction and and we do discipline uh, in those things. And and we're not just uh, inflicting pain uh, on our children. And uh, we're to guide them. We don't want our children to fear us. And so moving on here, verse 22. I'm going to reread these verses because we're kind of transitioning to a different thought here in... uh, In uh, chapter 3, verse 22 Servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. And so, uh, you guys ever heard of uh, the term TGIF? You know, thank goodness it's Friday. And uh, we were created for work. And God put Adam and Eve in the garden and said, get busy. There's time to dress and to keep this. And, and as Christians, maybe our motto should be TGIM. Well, it's Monday. We got to go back to work, and uh, so I know when I go to work, and and oftentimes, and uh, I'm refreshed because of Sundays and, and, and the weekend and Monday. I'm usually in a pretty chipper mood, and people at work hate that. It's like they're just dragging in. Uh, I'm like, oh, yep, yeah, and uh, so um, they're all looking forward to Friday Sunday night, you know, and. My goodness he just had friday and and so i 'm good, but Tuesday's the worst day of the week for me Tuesday's the worst day but um, <clears throat> but we're here to labor and so but this idea of master and servant and and uh, listen uh, yeah, I missed a, a note here. Uh, thank God it's Monday, and we have a job. You know what I mean, especially in these times when the economy, uh, because of COVID, and, and and things are shutting down. And, and, but I'll tell you this: we've had America has been a lot worse off financially before. Um, we're blessed, uh, but listen, we need to be thankful that we have a job, thankful that we have an opportunity to go to that place and be a witness. And we'll we'll kind of look at that at the end of this lesson this morning, if I hurry up and we get there. But um. <clears throat> Today's passage refers to servants and masters, and uh, I believe we're going to apply these principles to the employee-employer relationship today. Um, <clears throat> slavery, uh, as we commonly understand it today in America, really for the most part was condemned in Scripture. I believe um, in First Timothy 9, uh, 1 Timothy chapter one, verses nine and ten. It talks about uh, uses the term "men stealers." Uh, having the idea of taking somebody and enslaving them uh, to another person. And and, uh, really, it says that it's contrary to sound doctrine there in verse 10. And so, but in Roman Empire, slavery was not based on race. It was a result of being captured in in war and sold into slavery, and people were sold into slavery because of debts and those kind of things. And uh, Paul writes uh, Philemon to receive his runaway servant, Onesimus. And so um, our understanding of slavery, I don't necessarily think reflects what Paul was dealing with in in the, the New Testament based on America's history of slavery anyway. And, and uh, it's not always played out the same across the board in history. Uh, and so I don't want to dig into that and look too much into that. We're just going to apply it to Uh, The employee-employer view from that perspective this morning, because I think that's the most appropriate for us today. Um, And so God has a plan for you as an employee. Uh, He really does. And uh, Paul begins here and he says, Servants or employees, obey in all things your masters or your employers according to the flesh. And we know that Paul is obviously not talking about or referring to anything contrary to biblical teaching. I believe he's talking about in the, in the, the area of that workplace, you're to obey or to follow the direction of your employer, your supervisor, um, whoever happens to be uh, over you uh, in, in that workplace. Um, but it definitely applies to those things that might be unpleasant or difficult. Right. You ever been given a task and you're just, like, oh, boy, I don't want this one. You know, I remember as an airman in the Air Force, it's a different Air Force. And I'm, I came in in 2001, so I can't imagine those older folks that came in before that and, and living. But I remember we were mopping stairwells, you know, 10 flights of stairwells and, and those things. Airmen don't do that today. It, it's crazy. And, and I've, I've only been in 19 years. It's a different Air Force today. Talk about getting an airman to take the trash out is, is a feat sometimes today. and uh, <clears throat> But listen, I believe this is talking about those unpleasant or difficult tasks. Um, in CE, and I hate to say this because we have some security force customers in here, um, but I'll be a little transparent. Oftentimes, you get a work task that comes into the shop, right? And, and uh, the shop scheduler will assign that to a crew, and they'll go out, and they'll look at that thing, and... And they'll walk away, and they won't say anything to anybody. And, you know, that work task kind of sits on the logbook for a while, and they send somebody else out there, and they look at that thing, and they, they walk away, and, and they're like, this task never gets accomplished. And so finally, somebody goes, what is going on here? And an NCO, you send an NCO out there, let's, let's figure out what's going on. We can't, back in the day, we used to have a number of days that a, a work task could be on the books. It's not that way anymore. Uh, but so once it got to 30 days, it was overdue. And so when that thing's starting to get close to 30 days, it's like, we need to figure out why nobody's touching this thing. And you go out there and you go, oh, my goodness, this is a horrible job. Nobody wants to do this, right? The plumbers busted a hole in the wall because they were fixing a toilet or something. And now you got to patch this thing or, or whatever the case may be. And, and, but nobody wanted to do that because it was the unpleasant or difficult job. And uh, <clears throat> as Christians, we ought to step up to those challenges, we can't be the person that just passes that work task off to the next guy. Uh, that's not appropriate. And, and listen, this morning, we shouldn't be the whiners. We shouldn't be the gossips. We shouldn't be goofing off all the time. And we are to work with dignity and positive attitudes. Uh, <clears throat> we must be obedient to the command in Philippians 2.14. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. That includes the workplace. Did you know that? Uh, Even when you have a difficult boss, when you have a harsh boss, 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 boss. Verse 15 there in, in, in Philippians 2 goes on and expounds on the reason for our good conduct. Look what it says here. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Look at what it says in the last part of the verse. Among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Your boss ought to know that whatever task he gives you, you're going to tackle that thing with the, uh, the most positive attitude and, and, and the, the, the delightful disposition. I came up when I was in Korea, I had a boss that I really didn't like, and, and I came up with, I'm dedicated to a delightful disposition. When I'm around Captain Marsden, I'm just going to be delightful. And it helped the workplace. It really did. Those officers, they're difficult, boy. I don't know what happens when you get a degree and you get a little metal on your collar or shoulders. It's like your brain. (laughs) (laughs) Must be some truth to it because he's offended. But but listen, our boss ought to be confident that we're going to do good on their part. Because we ought to be shining as lights in the world and honoring them. And we'll look at it here in a couple verses that it's really not about them. It has nothing to do with your boss. But the lost are watching. Some and probably many of them will only see the light of Christ through our behavior and testimony. The Word of God says we are the epistle written in their hearts, so to speak, and and the only view of Christ that many will get is based on our testimony and how we live for Him. They're not going to come into these walls, necessarily. Uh, we pray that they will. We invite them. Uh, we share the gospel with them, and, and and we hope that maybe one day they will be a part of our church. But, but listen, the reality is most won't. Uh, And so we need to be a good testimony. And according to verse 22, God's way for working is not with eye service as men pleasers. And I I looked this up and I thought it was interesting. This means we do work or we do not work just when the boss is watching. Uh, The idea strong says, sight labor. That needs watching. It's not all about just when the boss is looking just when we know that the, the tasks that we have will be, have some visibility, uh, we ought to be doing it uh, because it's the right thing to do. Not with eye service as, as men pleasers. It's not about just pleasing those individuals that, that pay us, uh, that provide our, our financial uh, benefit because we labor for them. and uh, Instead, we work with singleness of heart Really, which has the idea of sincerity or honest dedication. And it says our motivation is out of a fearing or revering of God, that we would labor. And uh, God wants his children to be known as hardworking people of integrity. I trust that that's your boss's attitude at you this morning. I have to admit this morning, I haven't always done this, I failed in areas. Um, I've had a bad attitude at work at times. And regrettably, I must admit, I had it in front of the lost. And maybe that has hindered my testimony at times. We need to be careful because they are watching. Um, But most importantly, we ought to do it because it pleases God. It honors God when we do good by our boss. Because we're doing it for Christ and not for them. We need to be hardworking people of integrity. If we do not give a full day's work for a full day's pay, we are dishonest and we're robbing from our employer. I know we've all seen people like that at work. I remember one time and uh, I was called a work hog. I was just knocking out a lot of work, and I was just, just working, just trying to do right and, and just trying to labor. And, and they were like, you need to slow down. Um, you know, sometimes it makes other people look bad. Um, and uh, <clears throat> that's a good testimony to have. Uh, I wish that was always my testimony, but I, I will have to admit that's not always how it's been. And uh, we need to be careful. Uh, Proverbs eighteen nine: he that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. The idea here that to, to be brother indicates a belonging to the same type of people or class of people uh, or to, uh, we could say that in the Christian realm, our testimony as Christians. And and the word uh, waster has the idea of being a destroyer. And so really in God's sight, a lazy or slothful person is like somebody that's just wasteful and, and is a destroyer of someone else's goods. Excuse me. Both cost the owner money or the employer money. I know in the Air Force, sometimes we we have the uh, blessing of not trying to make a dollar. So sometimes when we're building something or we're constructing things and and uh, we can spend a little more in this area to make it a little easier or we aren't really in a rush. But in in the construction field on the outside, time is money. The more widgets they can construct and and make in a shorter period of time, the more money they can make. And uh, so uh, that doesn't mean you got to kill yourself, but be honest with your boss. Uh, Give him a fair fair day's labor. And uh, don't waste his money, don't waste his time. And uh, uh, just be honest by it. Uh, be on time. Don't take long lunches. Don't take long breaks. Uh, there's specific times. And listen, we're blessed to live in America where there's, you know, governing bodies that, that allow for us to have some protections on the work week time and getting paid overtime and those things. We're, we are so blessed, but we're such big whiners about it sometimes. You know, we got more benefits than probably most any other country, but we complain most. And uh, so show up on time. Don't leave early. Don't take long breaks. Be a good testimony. Uh, Instead of being lazy at work, verse 23 gives us some direction on how to work. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. There it is. As Brother First would say. There it is. It's for the Lord. We're not laboring for uh, anyone but the Lord. Uh, And listen, especially if you've, I trust that you're sharing Christ at work and you're trying to be a good testimony. And uh, Don't tell them that you're a Christian and then be lazy. Don't tell them you're a Christian and invite them to church and then waste their time and their money. Uh, Be a good testimony. Uh, We work first for the Lord and second for our paychecks. Do you consider your job a blessing from the Lord? Oftentimes we get that flipped backwards. Oh, my boss, boy, but listen, God gave you that job. God's meeting your needs and providing for you through that job. And so uh, you ought to remember that it's the Lord that gave you. And you ought to understand that it's a blessing. And uh, it's important to keep this verse in context. Uh, think of this in the context of, of the day and age that it was written uh, to the Colossians. The slaves whom uh, the servants or slaves here that, who, uh, that it was originally written to had a little opportunity to escape slavery, probably, or servitude. Uh, most probably did not receive monetary compensation for their work. How much more does it apply to us today as employees of a job? They get a salary, there's benefits. Boy, many people get paid vacations and sick days and uh, health insurance, retirement benefits, and so on. And I mean, it can go on and on. I know all jobs provide those things, but... But look at our compensation packages compared to probably what the folks that this was written to compares to. I think we're blessed. And, and to think that we could be whiners and complainers about our lot in life and what God is instructing these folks to do, to just serve Diligently and faithfully, knowing that it's the Lord that you're serving, Paul continues in verse 24, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Slaves had no inheritance in this world, regardless of how hard they worked. In the same way, uh, many Christians may never receive what what maybe we consider we deserve in this world, but we will ultimately receive the reward from Christ. And uh, listen, not all of us are going to get rich on our jobs. But again, we're not doing it for here. We're doing it because we're serving Christ. And He's got so much more laid up for us. Beyond our imagination. Uh, the great things that He has for us. And, and we need to remember that. Uh, Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. Competent workers usually get promotions those that are working hard, those who are laboring. Now, that's not uh, firm. God has different uh, circumstances for each one of us. And, but as a general rule of thumb, God honors those that are going to be diligent and faithful uh, and, and serve Him, and, and uh, there will be promotions. Most people with great jobs have worked a long time to get where they are. We just want to wake up, graduate high school, and go make six figures. And uh, that's just not the reality. Maybe that's not what God has for you. Uh, but also, some you got to labor and work at that and be faithful. And God can reward you as you go and give you those promotions and show that you're, you're a good steward of what you've been given already. And God's word to employees ends with a solemn warning here in verse 25, and we're going to have to finish here. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. That's a sobering thought. Failure to fulfill your responsibilities at work is wrong. That's wrong. God will judge that wrong with absolute no respect of persons. He doesn't show any favoritism. You're not in His good graces, so you can't just slide away with this one. Uh, If you do wrong, God will hold you accountable. And he's not a respecter of persons. And just because a Christian works in less than ideal circumstances or as harsh boss, he or she does not have the right to be disrespectful or lazy, sow discord among employees, or do shoddy work. It's no excuse. And no matter who we are or where we work, if we are guilty of conducting unbecoming of a Christian, we will be paid back for the wrong by God. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for these scriptures. and Lord, I pray that something said today would have been an encouragement. And I know hearts are heavy. And and, uh, Lord, it's just a difficult day. And we just pray for your grace. Lord, to be on the service to follow. Lord, that you would be uplifted and glorified in it. And Father, that you would comfort hearts. And we'll give you the thanks for it. In Jesus' name, amen.